the Gospel of Luke begins, interestingly enough, not with the story of the coming, of, of the annunciation of the coming of Jesus, but rather with the story of a priest named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, who were advanced in age and had been unable to have children. And Luke tells us that one time when Zechariah's division of priests was on duty, he was chosen by lot to burn the holy incense in the temple, which was a ritual that was performed every morning and evening that symbolized the prayers of the people being lifted up before God. And while Zechariah was inside the temple, Luke says that an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him that his wife Elizabeth would give birth to a son who they were to name John. And this child would not just be a joy and a delight to Elizabeth and John. This child would also be a joy and a delight to all of Israel. Luke chapter 1 verse 16 says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the prophets to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And all of that, of course, was absolutely huge news. Right? This child was going to make ready a people who were prepared for the Lord. He was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, given both the difficulties that he and Elizabeth had had in their lives trying to conceive a child, right, and the fact that God had been silent for hundreds of years, it should not be surprising that Zechariah was skeptical about all of this in the moment. And so he asked the angel for a sign. Now, I'm not sure what Zechariah had in mind when he made that request, now, whether he was thinking about something like the burning bush that, uh, that appeared before Moses, or the pillar of cloud that guided the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness, or the fire of the Lord that fell on the altar for Elijah at Mount Carmel. But whatever it was that, I, that he might have been thinking about, I think it's pretty safe to say that the sign that Zechariah received was not likely what he had in mind. Because the angel told Zechariah that because he did not believe his words, he would be silent and unable to speak until the child arrived. And we can only imagine how difficult it must have been to have experienced something so incredible and to have received such big news and then not be able to talk about it. I mean, sure, Zechariah could write, but there are certain times when writing something is just not the same, right? Especially in a time like this, right? When, when you're most likely so excited about something that there's no chance that, that your physical writing ability is gonna keep up with all the things that you're thinking. Right, have you ever experienced that? You know, I know for me there have been times, a lot of times, when I've started to explain something to someone in an email or in a text and just decided instead to pick up the phone or go see the person because what I'm trying to communicate would just be so much easier to say. Right? And Zechariah was unable to do that because he was rendered mute. All right, so Zechariah is rendered mute. Fast forward now, nine months or so in the story, Elizabeth gives birth to a son, and then eight days later, when they took the child to be circumcised, everyone thought that the plan was to name the child after his father, Zechariah. But then all of a sudden, Elizabeth objected and said that she wanted the child to be called John. And when Zechariah was asked what he would like to name the child, Luke chapter 1, verse 63 says, he asked for a writing tablet, 
right? He has to write. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And notice the definitiveness conveyed by the verb tense there. His name is John, not should be, not I'd like it to be, not it would be really nice if. It already is John. Luke 164 says, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. And Luke 167 says that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. You know, it's interesting. We noted earlier how the prophets had been silent for 400 years. And now God is breaking that silence through Zechariah, whose own lived experience actually mirrored that history, right? For the past nine months, just like the prophets, Zechariah had been silent. And now, as he regains his speech, the first words that come out of his mouth are words of prophecy that come in the form of a song. Zechariah's mouth is opened, and he finds himself uh, in his own version of the Gimbel's department store in front of all the people who were present singing. And for all we know, Zechariah's melody might have been just as spontaneous and free-flowing as Buddy the Elf's. But he sings in Luke chapter 1, verse 68, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Zechariah's song, as we heard there, begins with praise, because God has come to his people and redeemed them. And the verb that Luke uses there that's translated for us as God coming to his people not only means to come as in to visit, but it also means to examine or inspect. And so Zechariah's praise here, this outpouring of praise, doesn't simply celebrate God's coming. It also celebrates the attentiveness with which God has come. Praise be to the Lord because he has Come. He has inspected. He has examined. He has, he has taken careful note of the need of his people and is responding to it. And specifically, he has responded by raising up a horn of salvation or a strong or mighty source of salvation through the house of his servant David. Important detail alert there. Just as the prophets had promised long ago. Now let's go back to that important detail about the house of David. Prior to recording the song of Zechariah, Luke has already made a couple of other very intentional references to David. In Luke chapter 1, verse 27, when the angel visits Mary, Luke mentions that she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant from the house of David. And then in verse 32, the angel tells Mary that her son will be called the Lord of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And now we learn from Zechariah's song that the horn of salvation has been raised up from the house of David, which, combined with those other references, shows us as readers that the child that is coming to Mary and Joseph is the horn of salvation. Zechariah's song heralds Jesus as the horn of salvation. And Luke chapter 1, verse 71 says that he will bring salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. 
to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, but to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so Zechariah's song heralds salvation from Israel's enemies. Israel, Zechariah sings, will be rescued from their enemies and from the hand of all of those who hate them. And as Luke's gospel continues to unfold from here, uh, this will not only include political enemies, right, like Herod the Great, who's mentioned in Luke chapter 1, verse 3, and the veritable who's who of political and religious autocrats that are mentioned at the beginning of Luke 3. But it will also include those who come to hate Jesus, those who come to hate his followers, and the dark spiritual forces as well, right? like the demons that Jesus was so frequently casting out of people. And so God, out of his great mercy, will deliver his people, Zechariah sings. He will bring salvation from their enemies. Something else that Zechariah's song heralds is that this salvation that is coming has a purpose. Right? Zechariah's song heralds the purpose of salvation. In Luke chapter 1 verse 74 says that the horn of salvation is coming to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so salvation is coming so that God's people might serve him in a priestly fashion, both today and for eternity. Right? And that purpose, right, combined with the pervasive theme of deliverance that we see through this song, all very much evokes God's rescue of his people from Egypt right, and his call for them to live as priests and a holy nation. Right? And so there's very much a sense here in Zechariah's song that the coming of Jesus is an extension of that mission that God has always had for his people. Right? And that mission that continues today with us. Right? Zechariah's song reminds us that we have been saved right? to continue to live as representatives of the presence of Jesus and his kingdom in holiness and righteousness for all of our days. Right? We have been saved to serve. Now from there, Zech the focus of Zechariah's song shifts. It shifts from Jesus uh, to Zechariah's son, John. Look with me at Luke chapter 1, verse 76. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Right? And so John's role again is to prepare the way for the Lord. And that preparatory work involves him, Zechariah sings, giving the knowledge of salvation. It involves him giving the knowledge of salvation. And it's important to note there that John is not the source of salvation. 
He's the source of the knowledge of it. And that knowledge would come through his ministry of baptism, where John baptized people for for the forgiveness of sins. And this is a really important piece to John preparing the way for Jesus because it was commonly believed at this time that Israel's sins were responsible for their captivity and that forgiveness was the thing that was necessary, necessary in order to restore their national life. Right? All of these things that they had been waiting for. Right? So John will give God's people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of, of their sins. And that forgiveness... Zechariah reveals, comes from God's tender mercy. It comes from God's tender mercy. The word that's translated for us as tender mercy is the Greek word splancha, which means bowels, or gut, or heart. And according to Hebrew thought, the intestines, right, bowels, the gut, were the seat of deep feeling and affection. Right? And, so, and so God's forgiveness, Zechariah proclaims, actually comes from his inner organs. Right? It, it comes from the place where his deepest emotions reside. Right? Which is such a beautiful and profound image, isn't it? Right? Such a beautiful and profound image of, of the depths of God's love for us. Right? Such a beautiful and profound image of the depths of our belovedness, right? And so the gift of salvation, the gift of deliverance, the gift of forgiveness that, that, that we are celebrating right along with Zechariah tonight comes from his tender mercy, right? It comes from the seat of his deepest emotions. And it's out of that tender mercy, Zechariah sings, that the rising sun will come to us from heaven It's out of that tender mercy that Jesus will come as the light. He will shine on those in the darkness and the salvation that he brings will guide our feet into the path of peace. Now, the fact that the Holy Spirit fills Zechariah and he bursts into song and all of these things come to us in the form of a song is significant. And it's significant, I think, because of the way that songs function. Right? Songs have a unique way of helping us remember things. Right? Songs have a unique way of helping us remember things. Right? They help us remember experiences. Songs help us remember circumstances. Songs help us remember people. Songs help us remember feelings. You know, for me, uh, when, when, when I hear the song, for example, Don't Stop Believin' by Journey, I remember being in my, in my bedroom as an 11-year-old in Arizona. And I was playing that record on the night that a realtor was showing our house to the people who would eventually buy it before we moved back to California. Or when I hear the song Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol, I vividly remember driving home in my car from Kaiser Santa Clara after visiting someone with terminal cancer. Right, that song gives me a very distinct and poignant memory of a person. When I hear the song Soak Up the Sun by Sheryl Crow, I remember flying home 
from a ministry trip to Honduras uh, and being excited to see my wife and kids after being gone for 12 days. And, and our daughter Shelby was just a few weeks old at the time. Right? But songs have this ability to help us remember experiences and circumstances and people and feelings. And Zechariah's song is no different. Right? It is very much about remembering. And especially through all of the different references that it contains to the Old Testament. Right? We mentioned earlier how the theme of deliverance evokes the story of the Exodus. But Zechariah's song also makes references to Israel's ancestors and God's holy covenant and the oath that God swore to Abraham. And through those references, part of what Zechariah is doing, I think, is inviting us to remember God's character. Right? He's inviting his original hearers to remember God's character, and he's inviting us tonight to remember God's character as well. Right? To remember his faithfulness. To remember his loving kindness. Because he has not forgotten them. And he has not forgotten us. Right? Salvation is coming through Jesus. Right? And it's the culmination of the story that they have all been a part of. And all of those things are important for us to remember tonight as well because we are a part of that story too. Right? Through Jesus' coming as we're celebrating tonight as well as his life and his death and his resurrection. You know, in just a moment, we're going to look together at, at a video that recounts the long and great story of the coming of the long-expected Jesus. And as you watch, I want to invite you to think about God's gift of salvation, uh, to think about his faithfulness, his tender mercy, his forgiveness, his deliverance, and how you have or are experiencing those things. And as you do that, what word of praise would you sing out tonight in response to the gift of salvation that's been made possible through the coming of Jesus? What word of praise do you sing out in response to the gift of salvation? Let's look together at Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.